You want to go ahead and open your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. We'll be starting there this morning. <clears throat> How many of you ever asked yourselves, what happened to good manners? How many of you ever asked yourself that? How many times do people cut in line or cut in traffic or try to get what they want, even if it inconveniences everybody else? Everybody been there? And if I were to ask you how kind people were today, I'd get mixed answers, wouldn't I? On this topic, you can get some interesting quotes on the Internet. Some of them, unfortunately, we probably agree with. People aren't out to get you, they're just out for themselves. That sound about right? We tend to take it personally when they're just looking at themselves only. Don't ask me to do something for you that you wouldn't do for me. Now, we never think that. Now, this third one, some of you are going to agree with. Too many people owe me my time back. Ever think that? You're so spiritual this morning, you can't agree with any of this stuff. <clears throat> this is a quote from a Hollywood actor. I won't tell you which one. Here's what they said. I'm a fan of the word selfish. Selfish. When I say I have gotten a lot more selfish, I mean I'm less concerned with what people think of me. I'm not worried about how I'm perceived. Selfish has always gotten a bad rap. You should do for you. We'd say, what? What a lousy philosophy. Really? How kind are we to other people? Occasionally over the last year, we've been looking basically at this verse. If we are disciples, which is what we are, if we've accepted Christ as Savior, and then if we call ourselves disciples, John 15, 8 says, By this is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. And so there's a way to tell, there's proof that we're actually what we say we are. And one of the big instances of that fruit is the fruit of the Spirit. And so we've been looking at, at various times, what the fruit of the Spirit is. Here in Romans 8 reminds us how do we demonstrate or display the fruit of the Spirit. Verse 3 reminds us that God sent His Son by, to condemn sin in the flesh in order, verse 4, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. Down in verse 14 it says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. If you've accepted Christ as your Savior, you have God the Holy Spirit living in you. And then we're commanded to be deciding to pay attention to when the Holy Spirit directs us, guides us, talks to us. So we have these phrases, to walk and live according to the Spirit, set your mind on the Spirit, make sure you're being led with the Spirit, in partnership with the Spirit. The assumption is God the Holy Spirit is constantly telling us, helping us know what we should be doing or not doing, and the key is going to be, are we going to listen or not? And if we listen or obey, then the Holy Spirit demonstrates His fruit in us. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. 
And even though we're looking at each one of these aspects of this fruit, we understand when the Holy Spirit works, this is a package deal. This is how it all works together. This is how it all looks when it's complete. And Galatians 5 says the real purpose of this fruit is to serve one another. So it's for other people. It's not for us. We're to use it to help others. So we started with love. That Greek word agape, talking about God's love. This is the love that's the basis for serving. It includes all the other characteristics. And this is when we display God's love by choosing not what's best for us, but what's best for God and for others. That's not a natural thing to do, but that's what we'll do when the Holy Spirit's working. And we'll serve others with joy. Joy has to do with our demeanor that calm delight, that we won't overreact to things, but we'll have a positive attitude, we'll take pleasure, we'll really enjoy serving others when we're listening to the Holy Spirit and empowered by Him. We'll be at peace with God and with others when the Holy Spirit is working. Our response to people will be peaceful. We'll try to work to make peace with them. We'll try to help them make peace with others. We won't try to incite them to be against other people. And we'll serve with patience. We'll be long-suffering and enduring with people. When people make us angry, which happens quite often, but when the Holy Spirit's working, we'll deal with our anger biblically and we'll regularly dispense mercy. Mercy's always tied to patience in Scripture. And so now we're to kindness. Some of you have translations that have the word gentleness. And you'll see it really works. That goes better with one of the later aspects. Kindness works better with this one. This is from a Greek word that has two or three connotations to it. Generally, it means you're gracious to others, but includes the idea that what you do is useful to others and out of a tender concern for others. Notice the viewpoint of this word. The viewpoint of this word has to do with others. It's not about us. It's about what is useful and tender and gracious to other people. And look back at Romans chapter 3. Remind you of the fruit of the Spirit, that the fruit of the Spirit is not natural. It's not normal. We tend to think it is. We're all just naturally kind people, aren't we? How many here are just naturally kind people? You won't raise your hand, but you're thinking that. I'm, I'm pretty nice compared to most people. I'm a kind person. Really? Look at Romans 3.10. There is none righteous, no, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. That word translated good is the same word kindness. In fact, that's a better translation here. In and of ourselves, nobody's really kind the way God wants us to be kind. Now, we are kind. We do a natural kindness, don't we? But when we do kind things, we do it to look good or to be thought well of or to benefit us or to get something back, hopefully, from the person we're doing something good for. Or we're only doing because they did something for us, so we're doing something for them. That's our whole motivation. So we do things that look kind, that are kind, but it's not through the Spirit kindness because it's revolving around us. So this is not a natural thing. 
Now here's the question. Why is this kindness an aspect of the fruit of the Spirit? Titus 3 says this. First, it reminds us what we're like in our natural state. We ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. There's our society, isn't it? But what happened? When the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. That was communion this morning, wasn't it? Kindness is an aspect of God that's not hidden, that's very prominent. And the fruit of the Spirit reflects the character of God. It doesn't reflect me. It's the Holy Spirit's fruit. Second, 1 Peter 2 says this, Put away all malice, all deceit, and hypocrisy, and envy, and slander. Why? If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is, and there's our word, kind. Psalms talked about this quite a bit. Psalm 145 says, The Lord is righteous in all His ways and kind in all His works. This is a characteristic of God like holiness that is just inherent in God and you can't miss it. Who do I have to be kind to? What would your guess be? Who's God going to make me be kind to? You don't want to say it, everybody. The Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone. That's not natural. But you realize we've seen that with every aspect of the fruit so far? Who am I supposed to love? Basically everyone, your neighbor and your enemy, whoever it might be, but that's going to be everybody. I'm supposed to rejoice in the Lord always. I'm supposed to live peacefully with all people. I'm supposed to be patient with all people. When God's at work, it's not picking and choosing. God will have me be kind with everyone. I'll turn over to Romans chapter 11. Because this is a characteristic of God that is overwhelming. Kindness as an aspect of the fruit of the Spirit means it must be open. It must be revealed. It's not just I can say I'm a kind person, but never do anything openly. Now you see on the screen i got Matthew 6.1 there. Our kind of kindness is we want it to be noticed, right? When I do kind things of myself, I want somebody to notice what I did. Remember what Jesus said, Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6, Beware of practicing your righteousness for other people in order to be seen by them. That's not of God, that's of us. So even though this is something that must be seen, the purpose in doing it is not to be seen. It just has something that has to come out. Here in Romans 11, in verse 22, the ESV starts with the word note. Not a good word. The word behold is a better word here. You can see this. Behold the kindness and the severity of God. Severity toward those who have fallen, but God's kindness to you, provided you continue with His kindness. Talking about the fact that God grafted us in with the Israelites, and we can see how kind God was to us. This kindness, when it's of God, must be revealed. In Philippians 4, uses a little different word. 
But it's the same idea. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. It's not something that can stay inside. You see it through the Old Testament too. In the Proverbs 31, she opens her mouth with wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. It's not just she's a kind person. She talks that way. So keep in mind, if we're saying we're kind and we can't see much of it, then we're seeing the wrong kindness. I'll go back and turn to Luke chapter 10. Some of you are sitting here now and thinking, how do I tell the difference? If I can show a natural kindness that looks pretty nice to people, and yet the fruit of the Spirit is not that natural kindness, how do I tell when it's the difference? Well, there are some requirements in Scripture that show up if it's kindness as a fruit of the Spirit. If it's the Spirit working and me not just trying to make myself look kind. You got that? There are some attitudes that always show up with kindness. Ephesians 4 says this, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, Forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. So connected with kindness is the tender heart. Remember the definition, tender concern? That's always connected with kindness. Colossians had that and adds some more. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts. There's that. Kindness. And then it says humility, meekness, and patience are going to be connected to it. Patience, we've already talked about an aspect of truth of the Spirit. Meekness, we're going to talk about it sometime. Humility is another thing that's added in. Humility must be attached to kindness. Why? Philippians 2 says this, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. My sort of kindness is about me, that I look good. When it's God's kindness, there's humility involved. It's not about me. Now, you're in Luke 10, right? You know this parable. Let's see an example of this. In Luke chapter 10, starting verse 25, Behold, a lawyer stood up to put, him, to put Jesus to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, What's written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, You've answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But the lawyer, desiring to to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? So Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers, who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, And when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And the lawyer said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. Here's our first two guys, right? The Levi and the priest. 
the righteous religious individuals, the ones who probably are on their way to do some of their religious duties. They see the man, and what do they both do? What's the phrase? They both pass by on the other side. They intentionally go around him. By the way, in their culture, in their thinking, this man evidently got what he deserved. So why would I lower myself to show kindness to him? Remember the man born blind in John 9? And the disciples asked, who sinned that this guy was born blind? And Jesus had to say, you guys got it all wrong. You don't understand how it works. But the Levite and the priest would show no concern, no compassion, no interest. They saw him, but there's no heart for him at all. They just walk on by and go do their religious things. And then he says, a Samaritan, doesn't he? Verse 33. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, in other words, in the course of a normal day, he had places to go, he had things to do, wasn't just the Levite and the priest had to go through do things, so did the Samaritan. But what does he do? He came where the man was and he saw him. The difference here is the other guy saw him but had no interest. He sees him and has interest, and not just interest, what's he had? When he saw him, he had compassion. There's our ideas, those are our attitudes. If it's God's kindness, you see a tender heart involved. You see an interest in others. You see compassion connected that you're thinking about the other person. Those attitudes are always connected when it's kindness is coming from God. How else do I know it's of God and not of me? Because it's active. See, my kindness can be kind of passive. I can just think about being kind, but not when God's working. This has to be active. So the Samaritan does what? He goes to him, he binds up his wounds, verse 34, and he pours on oil and wine. This kind of kindness must be revealed. It must be open. By the way, you've heard, we just kind of look around for random acts of kindness, right? I like this quote. It's a misnomer to describe acts of kindness as random. While the acts may be directed toward anonymous people or animals, the person's act of kindness is anything but random. It is deliberate and directional, non-random in nature. When God's at work, what we do is deliberate. The Holy Spirit's going to direct us, lead us, directly to do something for somebody else. There's nothing random about it. We do random stuff all the time. God does intentional things. So it's active. It has attitudes with it that God says should be with it. It is active. And how do I know it's of God? When God's working, when I'm listening to the Holy Spirit, I do above what is necessary. Did you see that with the Samaritan? Look at verse 34. He set him on his own animal. He brought him to an inn and took care of him the rest of that day. The next day he took out two days' wages and gave them the innkeeper saying, take care of him. Whatever more you spend, I'll repay you when I come back. We could have stopped at any one of these points and said, well, he was pretty kind. He stopped and put a Band-Aid on him. That was pretty kind, right? And then kept going. Or he stopped and dragged him off the road. Or he stopped and called 911, whatever they did in that time, and took off. But that was kind, wasn't he? He could have just done nothing. He took him on his animal and took him to the end. That would have been kind just stopping there. But you notice he keeps going? 
That's how we know this kindness is not of us, it's of God. It goes above what is necessary. You know, I think of other examples in Scripture where God's kindness is involved, and we see this same thing. Remember Rebecca? Remember Abraham sent his servant Eliezer to find a wife for Isaac? And the servant decided, well, I'll find somebody. I'll see if somebody will water camels. That'll tell me if this is the right one. So he's at the well. Rebecca comes up. She offers him a drink. Then she says, I'll water your camels. How many do you have? Anybody remember? You had not read that story, have you? I forget the number. Ten. He has ten camels. Each camel can drink at least 20 gallons of water each. She had to pull 200 gallons of water out of the well and watered those camels. And then when she's done, she says to him, hey, how about coming to my house and staying? She doesn't know this guy. But who was at work in all of this? God was at work. Remember the book of Ruth? Remember Boaz? We tend to think of Ruth as being kind, right? Kind to Naomi, her mother-in-law. We forget about Boaz. Remember when Ruth is doing... The kind thing to do would be, let those who didn't have anything... Glean at the edges of your field. Remember, you're supposed to keep the edge of your field so anybody could do it? But what does Boaz do? Let's her glean in the middle of the field with his young women. Tells his young men, don't touch her. Gives her food to take home way over and above what he was required to do by law. Go back to second. Keep something here in Luke. We'll come back to Luke. Go back to Second Samuel 9. One of the best examples of this is in 2 Samuel 9 with David. 2 Samuel 9, verse 1, David said, Is there still anyone left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Remember, Saul's family got all wiped out. And so here's David looking to see if there's anybody left to show kindness to. So there's a servant of the house of Saul, his name was Ziba, and they called him to David, and the king said to him, are you Ziba? And he said, I'm your servant. And the king said, is there not still someone in the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God to him? You see that phrase? This is not David's kindness. This is something that God is encouraging him to show God's kindness to one of Jonathan's descendants. And so Ziba says, there's one. He's still a son of Jonathan. He's crippled on his feet. And so David sends for him in verse 6, Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, son of Saul, came to David, fell on his face and paid homage. And David said, Mephibosheth, and he answered, Behold, I'm your servant. And David said to him, Do not fear, for I will show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan, and I will restore to you all the land of Saul, your father, and you shall eat at my table always. The kindness of God. Not just enough to acknowledge who he was and say, oh, we'll make sure you're taken care of. He says, I'm going to restore to you everything your father had. You're always going to eat at my table. Well, that's all he does, right? Look at verse 10. He tells Ziba, you and your sons and your servants shall till the land for him and shall bring in the produce that your master's grandson may have bread to eat. Verse 13, so Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem and he always ate at the king's table. Now he was lame in both his feet. When kindness is of God, it goes above what is necessary in our eyes. When we do kindness, we do the minimum. 
When we're listening to the Holy Spirit, it goes the maximum. That's fruit. Now go back to the book of Luke. But go to chapter 6 of Luke. How do I know when it's me just trying to look kind and when the Holy Spirit is directing and working and it's His fruit? There are some attitudes that are connected to it of my compassion, my concern to others. It is going to be actively revealed. It's always going to be above what is, in my mind, necessary. I'm going to have to go further than that. And the fourth thing is, when it's of God, it's always going to be at a cost. Do you get this one? When God's kindness is at work through us, it's always going to cost us something. Now you're at Luke 6, and you're going to look at this passage, and we're going to be reading it, and you're going to say, what does this have to do with kindness? We'll see if you can figure it out. Verse 27, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. To the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also, and from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you, and from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? Even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for He is... kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful even as your Father in heaven is merciful. This whole passage is about kindness. So what's the cost? When God's at work, showing kindness will be more important than my need to ignore or get rid of those who cause me trouble. Those who are cursing me and abusing me When I just want to get them away from me, when God's at work, He's going to want me to pray for them and bless them. When God's at work, kindness is more important than my need to respond, my need to have revenge, my need to retaliate. I'm going to turn the other cheek. When God's at work, kindness will be more important than my comfort. If they have my coat, I'll give up my tunic also. When God's at work, kindness will be more important than my possessions. Give to everyone who begs from you, verse 30, from one who takes away your goods, don't demand them back. And when God's at work, kindness is more important than getting something in return. Verse 35, do good and lend expecting nothing in return. Not even a thank you. How many of us have done something for somebody we thought was real nice and kind and they didn't say thank you and then we are really ticked off? Kindness comes at a cost. What could Mephibosheth do for David? Not a thing and David didn't care. That's why it says in that last verse he was still lame in both feet. He could give nothing to David that mattered to anything and David didn't care about it. The Samaritan, did he expect this person to pay him back? 
Doesn't even come up, does it? How do I know it's of God when the Spirit is working and He's encouraging me to do something kind for somebody? I'll tell you right now, it's going to cost me something. And I'll be willing to give it up. Why will it cost me something? Because when it's from God, when it's the fruit of the Spirit, my kindness is about God, it's not about me. Remember, this is really about discipleship. A discipleship follows his master. A student, when he's fully trained, will be like his teacher. And the fruit of the Spirit reflects the character of God. So that's why you'll be sons of the Most High, for He's kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful as your Father in heaven is merciful. We're demonstrating something about God to others. And God's the one helping us do it. Remember the Samaritan again? Who was he helping? Somebody who would never stoop to help him. Somebody who hated him as an enemy. Somebody who viewed him as less than nothing. Why? We demonstrate something about God who stoops to help us who are less than nothing. And then ask us to do the same. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. What are the results of listening to the Spirit and showing God's kindness to others? The first you may see is kind of weird. Because we're not supposed to do good things so everybody can see what we're doing. But there is a benefit for us. This is evidently important for our physical and spiritual health that we show God's kindness to others. Proverbs eleven seventeen says, A man who is kind benefits himself, but a cruel man hurts himself. Interesting, what we just read back in Luke said, Your reward would be great if you showed these things. Well, what kind of reward comes from showing kindness it's very interesting. Lately, secular studies have even shown when we show our kind of kindness that's selfish, there are benefits to that. You understand that? We've got studies that show those who show kindness reap health benefits that help, may help them live longer. Those who are compassionate and better in tune with other people's emotions tend to be more successful at work. Those who do kind acts have less stress because it's difficult to be angry, resentful, or fearful when one is showing unselfish love toward another person. But those who regularly show kindness reported feeling more energetic, warm, calmer, a phenomenon called the helper's high. These are from secular studies, not from biblical studies. There's a spiritual, personal benefit to listening to the Holy Spirit showing His fruit. But the more important aspect is this will have impact for God. Kindness is something that God uses to have impact spiritually. Romans 2.4 says, Do you presume on the riches of God's kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? This is an aspect of God that is used to demonstrate who God is in a way people can understand and see. Here in 2 Corinthians 6, in chapter 5, verse 20, it reminded us we're ambassadors for Christ. That's part of discipleship. 
But Paul says some interesting things in verse 3. Look at the impact he has for God. We put no obstacles in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. How's that for impact? That nobody can find fault with your ministry. As servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way. Others can see their servants. Now look at the list. By great endurance and afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, by truthful speech and the power of God, with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left. Isn't that an interesting list? That kindness is included with all these things, that having great impact for ministry. Look at verse 11. He says, we've spoken freely to you, Corinthians. Our heart is wide open. That's what kindness does. You are not restricted by us. You are restricting your own affections. In return, I speak as to children. Widen your hearts also. Discipleship. Follow me. Watch what I do. Look at my heart for people and then widen your heart. How much impact does that have for God and discipleship? I asked at the beginning, how kind do you think our society is? And most would say it's not getting kind at all. It's getting less kind. And in the face of that, God would have us show more kindness. But not the kind of kindness that elevates us. The kind of kindness that demonstrates who God is. So as you're taking your test, how much fruit are you bearing and proving that you are His disciples? And what opportunity will He give today to show God's kindness to somebody? Let's pray for His help. God, the Holy Spirit, we know You're the one who shows Your fruit through us. And we need to be better listeners and better partners and better followers of Christ with your help. And we like to think we're kind. But you know, we know you far exceed our kindness and would have us show a kindness that's beyond us. Help us to bear much fruit and prove that we're your disciples. We pray this in your name. Amen.